0: Hello and welcome back. Another Wednesday, another podcast. And uh, this time you may have already noticed with the change of the uh, my podcast artwork and the name on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud, but I have kind of shortened the name of this podcast. It was originally Mo Money Mo Houses, which went with the name of my blog. But now this podcast will now be known as the Mo Money Podcast. That's kind of what people were calling it anyway. And it's kind of fun. It's shorter to remember. And so bam. Is the Mo Money podcast now? I am, of course, your host Jessica Morehouse. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast, maybe just on my blog and on social media, but I've kind of decided every tenth podcast episode I'm going to do kind of a solo episode with, uh, well, just me, obviously, because it's solo, and I'm going to be talking about. A certain topic that, uh, is really affected me in my life and has, uh, something to do with personal finance. So you'll remember, you know, episode one was me talking about my personal finance journey and, uh, Episode 10 was me talking about my experience moving from my hometown of Coquitlam and uh, quitting my job and kind of risking it all to start a new life with my uh, new husband at the time uh, in Toronto. So uh, this is episode 20 and I'm going to be talking about my experience with giving back and charity. I feel like it's a kind of an important topic when talking about money, but it may not always be the first thing you think about when you think about personal finance. But uh, it's definitely affected me in my life, just uh, some of the things I've done in terms of uh, charity and giving back and things like that. So I'm very excited to kind of share some of my stories with you in this episode. So I'm going to kind of start from my childhood because that's where it really began for me. Um, I've mentioned you know, a couple of times on my blog, but not on the podcast yet that I do come from a religious background. I was raised Catholic on my mom's side. Um, my dad is not religious, um, but my mom and uh, that side of the family is. And so I always had a very interesting perspective on, in, in, that front. Um, you know, my mom's side of the family is, um, very in tune with the Catholic church and we used to, you know, going, growing up, um, I, you know, had to go to church every Sunday. I did my, you know, um, first confession and first communion and confirmation and all of those steps and going through that experience growing up. Um, it was always, you know, very present in my life the importance of charity you know going to church every sunday um you know my mom I, I don't know what the proper name for it is called but um we'd get these envelopes um that would last you for the year and you would you know put a check or some cash in there and then we'd have like the offering so every you know kind of near the end of the the mass um we would you know baskets would be um, kind of hand it around and then you put your envelope of money in there and that would go to um, the church. And then the church would use that money to, you know, I guess, I mean, I'm not going to exactly say where it went because I I don't know the answer to that, but from what I understand, it went to the church and then the church, you know, would, you know, obviously pay the salary for the priest and then all these other kind of charitable programs that it was involved in. Um, And also another kind of thing that just popped in my head was, for, you know, my mom did that. I obviously didn't have any money growing up, so I didn't really contribute financially for that, but I always knew it was important to, you know, carry that on as I, you know, became an adult. But the one thing I do remember doing as like a kid and then a teenager was around Christmas, we'd always have these big Christmas trees at the church. And so there's always these, um, kind of paper ornaments and you'd pick one and it'd have someone's name on it. And, um, basically it would be, a person's name and on the back it would have what they were asking for Christmas. And usually it was, you know, a, a kid. And, and sometimes they would have their age on it and it would say something like, I would like some new socks or I would like a doll or whatever. And so when I was a teenager, when starting to working, uh, started working, I, uh, you know, made that kind of a tradition for me. And so I would, you know, pick an ornament and then I would go to the store and buy whatever it was and then put it in the basket for, um, the next Sunday. And that was something that was really important to me. I mean, I really didn't have that much money, honestly, when I was like 15, 16, working at whatever, a customer service job, but I knew it was really important for me to save up a little bit of money so I could afford that gift for that person because it's, you know, it's just important to, you know, give back to those who are less fortunate. And I knew I was fortunate. I, you know, didn't come from a wealthy family, but I knew I came from a, you know, a fortunate family. Now I'm going to kind of fast forward a few years. So um, although I grew up Catholic, I was never super gung-ho, maybe gung-ho is like the completely wrong term, but I was never super passionate and open about it. And part of the reason was honestly, when I would tell some people, you know, some of my friends and some people I went to school with, they would make fun of me. It's awful and it definitely affected me later on in life. Um, But yeah, I was kind of embarrassed about going to church and all the kind of traditions and ceremonies that came with being Catholic. So I never really talked about it as I grew older because I was embarrassed and I didn't want to get, you know, I didn't want the attention, I didn't want to be made fun of anymore." But when I graduated high school, went to university, I kind of started making some new friends. And at the time, my older sister um, had uh, quite a few friends that were um, part of this, it was called a college and career group. It was um, a Christian kind of Bible study and uh, they weren't Catholic, they were um, Protestant. And uh, so that was kind of a bit uh, different for me because at that point I had only been to a Catholic church, so I didn't really know what a Protestant church um, meant or looked like. Um, but anyway, so she, you know, I was starting to make new friends and it was, it was difficult. My first year of university, you're not with your normal high school friends anymore. There's, you're in these big classes and it's, you know, a bit terrifying. And so she was going to the same university as me. And so she invited me to this college and career group that she was going to. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I mean, I'll, I'll give it a go. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? And, uh, so I started going and yeah, everyone was super, super nice. I mean, obviously they're like Christian and, you know, keen and nice and everything's uh, dandy. And uh, yeah, they're great people. And at one point, I guess maybe I'd been in that group for about, I don't know, six months. And uh, there was someone who came to speak at her uh, meeting and they started talking about how there was this um, trip uh, that they're trying to get people to go on. It was a mission trip to uh, Gambia in Africa and uh, they're trying to um, get some people interested in going on this trip. And, you know, again, I wasn't super like churchy, if you will. Um, but it sounded like something totally crazy and random and something that I would, I would never do. And at that point, I mean, I guess it was, 18 at that time, I felt a bit, um, I don't know. I I was never the person to do anything crazy or just, you know, out of the blue. I was very, you know, I mean, I like my routines. I like to play it safe and, and all that stuff. But at the same time, I also knew that I didn't want to live a life of regret. I didn't want to live a life that was too sheltered or Oh, boring. Quite honestly, I knew like there was an adventurous side of me, but I was just kind of terrified to kind of let it go free, if you will. And um, so when this person came to talk to us in my mind, I'm like, you know, what would be super crazy is if I went to Africa, like that is the last thing I would ever do. Come on. And of course, with that, it kind of stuck in my mind. I'm like, maybe I should, maybe I should actually go, like why not? And so I looked kind of more into it. And there was one other guy from that group who who was for sure going. And so I kind of told him like, I'm thinking about going, but I don't know, like that just seems a bit, you know, crazy to me. And, you know, there's a lot of preparation involved and fundraising, all this kind of stuff. And he really encouraged me. He's like, if you want to go, you should, you know, do it. Like what's holding you back. And so I'm like, okay, fine. You know? And at that point I was lucky enough to have gotten a full scholarship for my first year of university, but i was still working. So I actually had saved up quite a bit of money. I mean, relatively speaking, obviously. Um, so I actually could afford, um, the trip. I mean, I still had a fundraise cause I I, I didn't want to spend all of my savings, but, um, yeah, I'm like, well, there's really no reason I shouldn't go to, you know, go on this experience. It's just, you know, try something totally new. And it was, you know, what's supposed to be for a good cause. We we're going to go to this place and, you know, supposedly help people. And I, 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 always want to like help, obviously, like there's this part of me that's like kind of the helper. I always want to try to like fix things and help people, even if it's to the detriment of me, which is a whole other story. But, uh, so yeah, so I ended up signing up and, I uh, me and him, like we did this whole fundraising, um party I just remember there's a lot of highs that order a lot of pies and we serve pie and we you know fundraised uh you know several thousand dollars so we could both afford to go on the trip and uh yeah and so I, I still remember this like it was yesterday it was I think the night before the trip and I had packed every everything I like you know did my research i was completely prepared as much as I could be anyway. And in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, what did I do? Why, 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 why am I going to Africa? It's not necessarily the safest place. I don't really know much about it. I don't know anyone who's been there. And uh I started just really freaking out and really want to like call in sick for the whole trip. You know, be like, oh, sorry, I can't make it. Don't feel well. But I knew I'm like, no, that's not the way to live. You need to just conquer those fears because you never know what'll happen if you actually just do it and so got over that somehow made it to the airport got on the plane and uh i i went there and it was it was me and and this other guy from vancouver that i went with and then there was the majority of people were from uh saskatchewan and uh yeah and there was i don't know how many people there were maybe 10 to 15 it was a pretty small group And yeah, we went to Gambia. And if anyone's interested in where Gambia is, and (laughs) of course, you probably haven't heard of it. It is the smallest country in Africa. It is near Senegal. And it is a... The majority of people that live there are... uh, they. I mean they, they speak English, but I think they have they have other um national languages, whereas in Senegal, like the majority of people speak French. Um, but uh it's also like I think at the time it was like ninety percent of the population were practicing Muslims. However, it's a country that was open to any religion. There was no, you know, you weren't gonna get in trouble if you were practicing another religion. And so so that was a bit of a hmm, okay, that's Weird, but okay. I'm going. I'm just going to go with it. And uh, so we get there, and it took me about a week to acclimatize. It was just so hot. I was just exhausted the whole first week, and also homesick and freaking out. And and lots of the people were just so different than me. I mean, all like my thinking was like, I'm going to go on this trip. I'm going go to a, a, a crazy country. I've never would never think of ever going, and would probably never go again. And like, I wanted to help people. That's why I went there. That's why I spent a bunch of my money and fundraised a bunch of other people's money and, you know, took their donations. was so I can go to this country and help and do some good in the world. That was my thinking. A little naive, you know, looking back, but we'll get to that later. Anyway, so we get there and I, you know, start talking to the rest of the group, trying to make friends and everything. And I realized they are very, very different than me. You know, as a Catholic, we um, are... (sighs) it's just very different than Protestantism. Uh, in, in my experience, uh, um, Catholics are very traditional, but quiet. Like you, if you go to a mass, it's like, there's no talking at all. Whereas in a Protestant church, there's, you know, there's lots of singing and talking and, you know, movement and you can express yourself openly. Whereas in Catholics, it's a little bit more, you know, subdued. So <laughs> talking to, and also it's like, yeah, I went to like um, catechism and all that stuff, but, you still we didn't really, I don't know. Again, my experience, we don't really talk about faith that much or like use lots of the words that I think some of the Protestant people on the trip talked about, like, you know, finding Jesus and your faith and, and buzzwords like that. I'm like, I don't know where that's coming from. I've never heard that. And I've been going to church all these years and I've never heard of any of these isms, you know? And so I, there was definitely like some acclimatizing to this whole different thinking of, you know, talking about religion and thinking about religion. And, you know, they're very much into like reading the Bible and, you know, quoting verse, you know, passages. And I'm like, I can't tell you anything off the top of my head. I did, you know, learn about the teachings and the stuff, but I can't, we didn't like memorize passages that wasn't like really part of our chasm class. So I, I couldn't tell you, I can tell you, you know, I can recite Hail Mary, but I can't tell you what happened in John... 14, 11 or something. Um, anyway, so that was a bit of a, okay, this is freaky. This is, I, I definitely miss home. But um, eventually I did get to know everyone really well and, you know, opened myself up to them and just kind of, uh, yeah, just, I don't know, became friends. And I, I, after that, and I was only, it was only a two month trip and I, you know, remained friends with quite a few of them for many years afterwards. And, and I'll tell you, I, I don't know if I mentioned this prior, but yeah, I was 18. So this trip was in the year 2005. So, and it's 2015 now. So that's 10 years ago. That's kind of crazy. This happened a decade ago, but I still remember it as if it happened yesterday. Anyway, so, um, you know, I kind of went into this trip thinking it was going to be this wonderful opportunity for me to help, but looking back, it wasn't exactly what I thought it would be. And this is why I have this perspective now that I don't personally agree with mission trips. I don't, I don't think they are as helpful as a lot of other programs out there. And again, I I also kind of thought, I, I don't know why I would think differently, but at the time I thought we were going there to, you know, I don't know, put some wells in or help at some orphanages and, and, you know, kind of like hands-on things, but a lot of it was evangelism, which again, as a Catholic, that's not really part of my vocabulary. We, you know, my experience is just, you know, we go to church, you know, we do all kind of the ceremonial things, but we don't go out preaching. Like preaching is not a thing we do. We kind of keep that to ourselves. And, but whereas like lots of the Protestants I was with, like, that's kind of the whole, and honestly, that was the whole point of the mission was to go and preach and evangelize and to hopefully convert people, which again, looking back, I'm like, I don't agree with that. And I kind of went in with my eyes, you know, I I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but yeah, it is what it is. Live and learn, right? Um, So I was there for two months and uh, you know, I, I did do a, a few hands-on things. I did, um, kind of volunteer at this one orphanage and so helped, um, feed these, you know, uh, kids, um, at lunch every day for maybe a couple of weeks. And it was actually pretty heartbreaking cause there was a lot of kids there and none of them had parents and they had to live in this orphanage. So that was, that was really tough as an 18 year old to, you know, understand and comprehend. But I, so I, if, I could say, what, what did I do? What did I accomplish on this trip? Well, hopefully I did some good by volunteering for a couple of weeks there, but looking back, I don't know if I actually did any good. Like I, I spent thousands of dollars to get to Africa and then I came back and I'm like, you know, I did, I definitely had a different perspective for a little bit when I came back home to Canada, you know, realizing that you know, materials aren't that important. What's important is the people that you love, that, you know, the family that you have in your life. And so that, and I've, I've always kept that kind of perspective, you know, for these past 10 years since my trip. But otherwise, I, you know, looking back, what did I do with those thousands of dollars on that trip? I, I can't say that I really did much. And that's, you know, hard and upsetting, but it is what it is. So if any of you are thinking on going on a mission trip, Hey, you know, that is your journey, that's your personal experience, do what you want, but I couldn't necessarily say that is a good use of money, resources. If you want to help people, I do, you know, there's a lot of different avenues you can go into. So, and this kind of brings me to my next um experience with charity. Um so what I currently do in my life is I make sure to set aside a, a portion of my money. Um, you know, some people call that tithing, but, you know, it's just I'm putting away some uh, money uh, percentage um, every year. And then I choose a charity that kind of means something to me or, um, you know, I just, you know, it really speaks to me or it, is, it seems like a good cause and a good organization. And then I donate that money to that organization. And I actually did write a blog post uh, about this, which I'll include in the show notes. And it was uh, that there is a, you know, in Canada, I'll try to look uh, into this for uh, the states, but there is a website on the um, government uh, website where you can find out, you know, if you're interested in donating for uh, some money to a specific charity, you can find out if that charity is actually a good charity, if it's credible, and also where their money goes. If you donate money, where where do all their donations go? Is it mainly administrative costs or does it go to certain programs? Does it go to education? And so I think uh, I'll include that in the show notes because I think it's actually really important that you know those details before you ever give an organization money. All right. So that's what that's what I've been doing for the past several years. I do my research and then I choose a charity and then I donate some money to that charity. But when I first um finished university and moved out on my own, I was really interested in getting a sponsor child. Now, the reason that I wanted to get a sponsor with child was, you know, kind of twofold. So I felt like at that time, like I just seen so many commercials and it just kind of built up and, it, you know, all those, you know, you see a child in kind of a war-torn country and, you know, for only $5 a day or whatever. You can help this child, or maybe it's a dollar a day, or whatever. And then also at that time, my older sister, um, started, uh, she got a sponsored child, and I think my mom also had one. And so, you know, they enjoyed the experience, and it isn't that much money. So, I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll look into uh, what organization would work for me, um, and uh, do it. And I was definitely kind of like wary of some of them, like World Vision. I just, you know, just kind of my personal, I think that I feel like there's just too much money put into marketing and advertising. And that personally bugs me. I feel like, you know, it's really expensive to make those commercials and have them on cable networks. I just, it just didn't really sit right with me. So the organization I chose was called compassion Canada. And it was one that my older sister, um, you know, was, uh, got her sponsor child through and she, you know, uh, kind of did a bunch of research and told me about it. And so I, you know, trusted her opinion, but I also liked that um, there was the opportunity if, you know the child grows up and you're you've been having this kind of pen pal relationship for all these years you were able to connect with them and you know visit them once they're done the program which i kind of just liked it could have been like a little fancy thing but i kind of i liked the idea of being able to visit them and kind of see oh oh great i'm glad that you did get you know my money and that you did get an education and you're doing okay which also kind of sits weirdly with me because it almost feels like, I know I'm weird with charity. Sometimes I'm like, you should, that whole idea of you shouldn't feel good or you shouldn't feel like you should be getting anything out of charity. Charity isn't about you. It is about helping out someone else and you shouldn't, you know, expect anything in return. But again, you know, with a sponsored child, sometimes it is a bit of a, you know, you, you want to feel good that you're doing it. You want to, you know, get their photos and make sure that they're doing well. I don't know if that's selfish or not selfish. I, I, I'm not, I'm a bit confused on that front, but that's just me. Anyways, so I visited the Compassion Canada website, and how you choose a uh, sponsored child on this website, and it may be similar for other organizations, is there's kind of a list of childs that you can choose, and you can see a little description about them, where they live, and, and what they need, and all that stuff, and some background, and then you choose the one you want, which is also kind of a weird thing, because it kind of feels like online shopping, which is like, eh, that's kind of weird, but... I don't know how else they would have, you know, they can set it up quite honestly. You have to choose somebody, but maybe it would be better if they just chose someone for you. But anyways, so I, you know, uh, kind of just looked through some description. And I, I chose a young girl and, um, I was a, a sponsor for her for about a year. And, uh, you know it was fine i did write her a few letters and she wrote me back and that was interesting but also kind of strange because i didn't really know how to respond to her cuz we were living such different lives and she was young and so i was more just like asking her questions like what's your favorite color how are, are how are you stuff like that and uh, the reason it ended was i got a letter from compassion canada saying that the you know she no longer needed a sponsor and I, I called them to make sure everything was okay. Cause God forbid anything actually like terrible happened to her. I, I couldn't imagine, you know, sponsoring a child and you know, the worst happens and you know, they pass away or something like that. And so I had, I, I made sure to call to make sure what the specific reasoning was and, They um, couldn't tell me specifically, but they said most likely it was because um, one of her parents got a well-paying job and they didn't need the uh, financial assistance anymore. So I'm hoping that is the reason. Um, But after that, I kind of, I considered getting another one, but I don't know. I just, I just thought "Mm," as much as, you know, I hope I did help this person. I I think I, I just felt a little bit strange feeling that connected. I of course I want to help people. I want to use my money. So it's not just helping me, it's helping someone else, but I almost felt a little bit too personally connected, if that makes sense. And again, that's just maybe a weird quirk of mine. So uh, after I did that, I kind of like, mm, I don't know if I'll do that again. Um, and uh, yeah. And so I, after that, I kind of you know said, okay, the way I'm going to be giving back is a couple different ways. I'm always going to, you know, give kind of a lump sum that I save up throughout the year to a particular organization that I feel passionate about or I really like. And then I also give back in my time. So one of the things I've done in the, I mean, it was a couple of years ago now, but there, you know, there's the YMCA, but there's also the YWCA and there's a really great program um, in Vancouver through the YWCA. And I'll include a, um, some more information in the show notes, because I think, you know, women, you know, working women, if you, You don't want to give back. You want to volunteer, but you don't really know what to do. This is an awesome program that I actually found out through my mom. And uh, it's basically you're a, a mentor to a high school student, and um, and it's not it's not exactly like a kind of big brother big sister thing where they come from they a certain background and they need guidance because they don't really have a you know an adult figure, but it's more for kids who are in high school that want to go to post secondary, but they don't they they may not actually have like an older sibling or, or someone that's been through that, and so they they need some guidance in that respect. Uh, and it's only a nine-month commitment. You only have to meet them um, once a month and do activities with them. And so, you know, you, you talk a lot about like what what should they expect when they, you know, uh, go to post-secondary, what should they expect when they, you know, graduate and get a real job and have to move out and everything. But it's also just for you to be a good role model for them. And so, you know, I, I really got a lot out of it because, you know, I was lucky enough to have an older sister who was um, three years older than me. And so I was able to kind of look into the future three years and be like, okay, okay, I know what to expect when I graduate high school. I know what to expect after graduating university and then getting my first job because she always did it first. And so I kind of had that guidance. And then I, you know, did the same thing for um, my younger sister. Obviously it is difficult to find the time to volunteer. I do sometimes feel like, Giving your time and your, your effort and just being hands-on can be a bit more valuable than just, you know, writing a check, but it is obviously sometimes, you know, impossible to find that extra time. Um, But that being said, I think no matter what you do, what kind of way, you know, you choose to give back, it is important to kind of budget that. I think it's important to, to, yeah, budget giving back um, in your finances, it's, you know, obviously very important to say for yourself, but, you know, let's be honest, we're not all in this world alone. We're living with millions of other people and lots of those people, you know, didn't have the same opportunities as most of us, especially the, you know, most of you listening who are, you know, fortunate enough to have some kind of device or computer lo- that allows you to listen to podcasts. Most people, like lots of people just don't even have access to the internet. So I think we need to always kind of be mindful of that and, you know, try our best to give what we can because I think every every little bit matters, even if you don't think it does. I, I know it does. It really does. So on that note, I'm going to wrap up. Thank you so much for listening to, to my experience. It's kind of a story that I've wanted to Express for a while. I have written some blog posts about it, but sometimes I do feel like, oh, I just want to, like, you know, just tell you in my voice, you know, like you're sitting right next to me. It's just, it's just one of those things, and so I'm hoping that you like this episode because I'm definitely gonna do another episode like this in another 10 episodes, kind of near December. And uh, that episode is going to be about my experience in post-secondary because I am a you know millennial money uh, blogger and podcaster. And so I kind of want to dig into my experience as a millennial going to post-secondary because there's a lot of people going through you know, going through the whole thing, getting the student loan debt, getting a degree and then realizing, Hey, what the heck I was promised, you know, a certain lifestyle and it's just not happening. And so I kind of want to give my two cents about that and my experience with, you know, graduating right around the time the recession was in full swing. So again, thank you so much for listening for the show notes for this episode. Make sure to visit com slash twenty. And for every episode that I've done up until now, visit Mohouses.com slash podcast and feel free to get in touch with me. Tell me what you're thinking. Do you like this podcast? Do you like this episode? Do you have a a really interesting story about this topic or other topics I've covered so far? I'd love to know. Please, you can email me, jessica at com, or you can tweet me. And yes, I did just actually recently change my Twitter handle. Um, It is at Jesse underscore morehouse so that's j-e-s-s-i underscore m-o-o-r-h-o-u-s-e or just search me jessica morehouse i'm the one kind of with the most twitter followers out of all the other jessica morehouses so thank you so much for listening again and i will see you back here next wednesday this podcast is distributed by the women in media podcast network